they were describing how I wanted to impact the world. And so it just was this perfect kind of meshing at the mission level of the B Corp point of view and what I was trying to, to bring to the table for the world. And so it was really kind of a, one of those lightning bolt moments. Like, yes, this is what I'm trying to say and this is what I'm trying to do. I need to go through this process because I feel like they will help me become a better version of what I'm trying to be. Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring business leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. I'm your guide, Nathan Stuck, and today you'll have an incredible opportunity to learn from Jared Simmons about how to become a better version of what you want to be and how to take a more humanistic, empathetic path towards problem solving. Answers you'll get from this episode will be how you can be more like what you want to be, how the B Corp certification process can lead to making a profitable contribution to society, how you can bring an abundance mindset to both being and doing good, and what are some of the greatest problem solving tools that you could carry in your business. All right, let's jump right into this conversation with Jared Simmons. Enjoy. Jared, welcome to Be The Change Georgia. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I have nothing in the world to complain about. If I did, nobody wants to listen anyway, right? <laughs> That's what I've found anyway. <laughs> Thanks for so, having me. Yeah, no, excited to have you. Um, yeah, this all comes full circle to, I remember when you first certified as a B Corp and I'm the, the weirdo that just reaches out and goes, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nathan, by the way. So uh, excited. And then you had me on your podcast. And now yeah. I'm uh, paying it forward and, and getting uh, your story out to the world. So yeah, thank you, sir. And yeah, just excited to continue to build this relationship and welcome you into the B Corp community and grow together. Thank you. So getting right into it, we, we always have a little pre-call planning session before we record these. And you shared with me that you had, I don't want to call it a chip on the shoulder, but but you grew up in Southeast Alabama near Mobile, and you grew up feeling like you always had something to prove. Can you share more about what you meant by that with our listeners? Yeah, I did. I grew up in Southeast Alabama near um, an army base called Fort Rucker, and it's a small out of the way. It's not even near Mobile. It's There are no large towns anywhere near it. It's a great place to grow up, but people don't expect much out of you when you come from a rural area, Black and, you know, there just weren't that many expectations. And so I, in hindsight, I realized that I developed over growing up in that environment, a bit of a, a chip, a, yeah, a chip on my shoulder for in terms of expectations and preconceived notions. So there are a lot of things that um, that were surprises to people, things that I could do, things that I was capable of that surprised people. And I was offended by their surprise. And so that's what kind of developed into a chip. If there are 10 people who can do this thing and I'm one of them, why are you surprised that I can do it, but not the other nine people that are doing it? Or why is it news that I'm doing it and these other nine people, it's not news that they're capable of doing it. So that's what kind of developed into a chip on my shoulder over the years and turned into me trying to prove things versus taking a different sort of approach to, to things. How I won't go into the reasons for my my ship, but so you know, I think one of the toughest parts of that feeling like you have something to prove, people to prove wrong, et cetera. How have you kept it from being something that 
don't want to say holds you back, but how have you used it as a motivator, but kept it as a healthy motivator? Yeah, I really kind of turned it into a path to empathy because if I developed a chip on my shoulder for that reason, and I developed habits and behaviors and a, and a view to, of the world around my thing, my chip, it made me curious about what other people might be carrying. And when I was confronted with sort of other behaviors that weren't in line with what I would expect or hope for from folks, I would pause and ask myself, okay, well, what they be carrying? What chip might they, they have on their shoulder? What expectations or assumptions might they be sort of operating under that they were sort of burdened with? And what are they working through? Wow. I always learn something from my from my guests and it took like three minutes. That's path <laughs> to empathy. So um, I wrote that one down from my own personal notes. So Thank you. I love that though. I mean, it is, it's something that always has, everybody you meet has some sort of, they're going through something, they have something and just offering up a little bit of grace without maybe necessarily having them divulge what they're going through or where their chip comes from. Right, right. Because it doesn't matter, right? I mean, we're human. And so we've all got something and trying to, equivocate or compare chips is just silly, right? I had it hard for this reason. You had it hard for that reason. It, it's not really important. There's no value in trying to figure out who's suffered more or who's had more of a of a difficult time if we all offer each other the same grace. That's beautiful. And when we talked about, well, we talked about where you went to school and I know people can't see the video, but I think everybody knows where I went to school at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, you went north to another football powerhouse known as the University of Alabama. Indeed. And then roll time. Go dogs. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned, though, was that part of your like, I'm going to do this was you picked one of the hardest majors there is. Yeah. And you decided to study uh, chemical engineering. Mm -hmm. And then you spent your first, really your first 10 years of your career as a research and development engineer. What did you learn in that journey? Because obviously you have pivoted, but what did you learn both as a um, chemical engineering major and then working in that field? Yeah, so I learned in my studies, I learned that I did not want to engineer chemicals for a living. So that was one of the main things I learned from chemical engineering curriculum is it wasn't it wasn't a career for me. Now, the skills we I picked up around problem solving, critical thinking, process oriented thinking, those are the things that have served me well in all my future endeavors. So it was a great preparation for what I'm doing today. Uh, on paper, you would not you would not necessarily assume that. But the chemical engineering curriculum is mostly about teaching you how to solve problems in a structured process driven hypothesis driven way. And that's that's what we need more of in all aspects of society is approaching problems with curiosity and structure versus sort of dogmatic, I know you don't kind of approaches. And then in my career, I was able to, I was fortunate enough to go to Procter & Gamble and work in research and development. And I started in a role that was very oriented around my degree, but was able to migrate into market research, consumer technical modeling, all sorts of things that were that would not necessarily flow from having having that that degree in other places. So it was a, a great gateway into what I ultimately am doing today. It's always funny how the process translates. I worked for enterprise for years, and when I came into, I got into IT consulting and a financial operations role. And you're like, all of this translates over. 
that's just a different field, a different industry. Yeah. And you having that process view, you can see it somewhere else. But if you don't start with that type of education, you don't see it in other places. That, I think, um, to your point, is what's so what's so valuable, is starting with a process-oriented education. What was the impetus for you focusing more specifically on social challenges in your career versus solely the intellectual challenges? Why did you start to see this shift as being significant in the midst of your career? Yeah, I think it was noticing how everything came back to people. So again, I got into market research and all those things. I got into the business world by working on starting materials. So the materials that people use to make things and then give them to consumers. And so it was very technical. But as I started to ask questions about, okay, so why do we make this this way? Why is it shaped this way? Why does it, why do we make it this color? Why do we use this sort of thing? It started leading me toward the more people, humanistic, the people sort of problems and questions that were being answered with these technical solutions. To me, those were the interesting ones. To me, it was kind of like a whole new world opening up. And then it dawned on me that these are the types of questions that are being answered in the broader world. So the more social sides of things. I've always been passionate about helping people and my upbringing, that was a big part of it, being good to the people around you and doing good and helping in any way you can. And it sort of opened up a view into a whole new way to help, which is helping to structure these problems and think through these problems at a level where change can be magnified and the effort and impact of the folks who are doing the work can be sort of amplified. Beautiful. Was this kind of what drove you then? Because you started Outlast Consulting Mm -hmm. in early 2016. Is this where it started to pivot and you went, I'm going to go do this full time? Right. Yeah. So there's an origin story to that specifically. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So after I left PNG, I went to work for a consulting firm and uh, worked there for a few years and then then went back to industry at Coca-Cola and spent a few years there and went out on my own after that. So between my three corporate stops, I had a number of phenomenal, amazing experiences with managers, clients, all sorts of folks, suppliers. And I had some horrible experiences across those three. And the thread, the through line across all the horrible experiences were I did not feel like Either I or a supplier or a client or a peer or colleague was being treated like a human being. And so ask myself, okay, so why does this bother me so much? Why is this such a big deal? Why am I so, why does it distract me from everything else? And that's what I noticed is I could not think about the broader problem when someone was being exploited in the process. And so I essentially left my last job to start a consultancy at the root of which to start a consultancy rooted in humanistic problem solving. So if you are exploiting someone in the process of solving a problem, you're just creating another one. So what we're trying to do is solve complex strategic problems in a way that honors the people involved in the process from top to bottom. It's fun how those experiences, you know, and I'm starting my entrepreneurial journey, at least the full-time version. Yeah, yeah. How those experiences, you always, people, I remember when younger in your career and somebody would be like, you know, why do we do it? Well, if you, you know, go start your own company, you're like, okay, I will. (laughs) (laughs) 
but it's, exactly. it's you learn as much from the good bosses as you do from the bad bosses mm-hmm. and i think that's the important takeaway is they're, they're they're almost all put there for a reason but the bad bosses do teach you what not to do when you start your own company or as you're consulting mm-hmm. um you pick up a lot um almost as much as you probably do from the good bosses of what you want to be and who you want to become as a leader yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's well said. It, it, it the sort of impetus for actually starting my own thing. I don't. I did not want to be an entrepreneur. I did not want to start a business. <laughs> I know people always. I say that all the time, and you know what I mean. Like it's a for some people, it's like uh, when I grow up, I want to own my own company. And for me, it was like, okay, I want to have this type of impact and solve these types of problems and enjoy what I do and feel like I'm adding to the world in a positive way. And all the other options have failed me on one of those metrics. And so I started a company because that was my path to do that. So it really does these lessons you learn from the journey. For me, it was kind of like cutting branches off my off the issue tree. And the one branch left was, okay, well, you're gonna have to go out, go out on your own <laughs> and build this thing. And that's kind of where we are. I would say I'm in the same boat. I never thought I'd be doing this. But yeah, that opportunity knocks and you're just kind of looking at it and go, this is a really good opportunity to do exactly what I want to do. Yeah, that's right. That's a great origin story. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you start Outlast. When did you first find out about the B Corp movement? How did you find out about it? What drew you in? Um, yeah. I, mean, I can I can guess as you've told your founder story and what you're looking to do just with your life professionally right. and personally, but... I'm interested to hear your side of that origin story. Yeah. So the B Corp thing came to me through a podcast. I was listening to a podcast that I listened to for um, independent consultants. And it's one in one of the episodes he had on a person who was a consultant that helped people with their B Corp certifications. And and that was, as she was describing the process, I kind of thought about, okay, well, what is this B Corp thing? And I, of course, did what everybody does, Googled it and read about it. And it felt like they were describing how I wanted to impact the world. And so it just was this perfect kind of meshing at the mission level of the B Corp point of view and what I was trying to to bring to the table for the world. And so it was really kind of one of those lightning bolt moments. Like, yes, this is what I'm trying to say and this is what I'm trying to do. I need to go through this process because I feel like they will help me become a better version of what I'm trying to be. Yeah, and I think that scorecard, the B Impact Assessment, the BIA, it keeps you accountable, keeps you true to your values, your goals, especially when you start growing, you start taking on clients. It's that my old boss used to describe it as guardrails for corporate decision making. Yeah. You're staying between your values on the highway. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to think about it. And it also highlights other opportunities for you to be more what you want to be. Like I hadn't thought about scorecard has all those different sections and there were sections of it that I hadn't really thought about focusing on or doing the little things in that section that you can do to be a little bit better. And uh, so I really appreciated that aspect of it as well. Yeah, if all these great companies are doing these things, maybe I should also start doing some of these, the little ancillary ones yeah. too. But what is my target? We all think you know we're super generous, corporate donations and in-kind. And then you actually start to track your numbers and you're like, well, we did a free project. And you're like, it was 0.2% of our revenue. That wasn't a lot of (laughs) free products. So thinking a little bit like what is those KPI, like what KPIs can you set up as you're building your business to kind of keep yourself accountable to like, I'm really living these. I don't just kind of say I value them. So yeah, yeah. And it lets you kind of bring an abundance mindset to the being good. 
because it's really easy to, especially when you're building something, to really focus on making sure you're profitable and really focus on making sure the business is sustainable and all those things. And that's super important. But I felt what the B Corp process, the scorecard and the certification did for me was kind of open up a new world of opportunities to think more abundantly about doing good. Whereas before it was like, okay, well, this is what we do. This is how we do good. And now we have a much broader aperture for that. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. The abundance mindset, that was really well said. Just figuring out ways to, yeah, just constantly improve. Yeah. Constantly serve more and, and give more and also remain profitable. Yeah. That part gets lost <laughs> in the mix. That's how many people, exactly. when I tell them what a B Corp is, they're like, so it's a nonprofit. No, no. no. <laughs> We're the future of for-profit businesses. Yes, yes. So. Well, we're excited to have you in the community. And and honestly, that's my biggest goal as well is, is almost focus on that ROI of, you know, how do we, A, through this podcast, amplify voices, but also build the community where we can start to build a semi, at least somewhat circular economy where we can all be supporting each other and doing business with each other, referring, mm -hmm. opening yeah. doors, et cetera. Right, right. So continue yeah. to grow it. Yeah. And you can refer with confidence and a clear conscience. Like I can almost just pull up the website and type in a name. And if they come up in the B Corp directory, that's one one level cleared in terms of, is this going to be someone that I want to refer to a client? Because your reputation goes with that person. And for you in the community you've built, it just pushes it up that many more notches. Like if Nathan and the B Corp, you know, structure, say this is a company that's doing good and doing things the right way. I have no uh, qualms with having a conversation about doing things together. Yeah, it isn't up to uh, a really good marketing team and whatever lipstick they put on said pig that day. Exactly. Exactly. That is so true. That's that step right out where you're like, well, it appears from their website that they might be a good entity. Exactly. They tell a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the beauty. Cutting through that clutter. Yeah. Um, what's your greatest hope for how business leaders can impact the future of our humanity and our planet? Yeah. I, this is such an important question and I don't have a, an answer that rises to the level of importance, but to me, it is about bringing all those things closer to bringing these problems closer together. I feel like the thing I love about the B Corp community is social change, racial injustice, systematic racism, climate change are under the same umbrella. And that is, is so important. And I feel like we're, we're all running off to our corners in this modern world and diving into our echo chambers and everything is different and everything needs a different name and everything has a different, everything's not what this other thing is. It's special, it's unique. And I think we're losing a lot of our humanity and, and the sort of shared responsibility and this sort of shared pain of what's going on in the world. There are people, uh, we work on this and this is their problem. I suffer from this and so I'm focusing on this and someone else who has this problem can focus on this other thing. And um, and so I think my my hope for the world is that we will get to a point where we don't need to feel the direct pain and impact of something to to feel like we need to contribute to helping to solve it. Beautiful. I hear you on the echo chambers and the, we need more real conversations um, with people. Yeah. And, yeah. and it goes back to what you opened with, which was the path to empathy. Well, we need to practice empathy and understanding more often. It's important. And it's it's something that um, 
that I think is core to problem solving. I think people tend to put diversity, they tend to put empathy, they tend to put uh, altruistic things off to the side. Like, okay, this is stuff we'll do when we get time for it and when we can, but let's focus on solving our problems. But it's those are problem-solving tools. Empathy is an incredible problem-solving tool. And uh, diversity is an incredible problem-solving tool. And um, right now, I feel like those things get sort of marginalized in the corporate space, separated, I should say, in the corporate space. Even if it's top of the agenda, it's separate from, okay, we're going to, we want to grow this brand by a billion dollars. And oh, by the way, we're going to give $50 million to further Black-owned businesses or whatever. It's all connected. A more diverse supply chain, a more diverse corporate environment, racially, ethnically, gender, all of it makes for richer problem solving and better business outcomes. And uh, and I think we've got to just kind of bring all that together. And you could substitute climate change in there. You could substitute poverty, anything. Everything that makes us different as humans is a different lens on a problem. So that's, I think, what's what's missing. Man, I was going to ask another question, but I feel like maybe that's our stopping point. But uh, <laughs> that was a mic <laughs> dropper right there. Um, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that is it. So um, it makes us better. We need more of it. That's it's where the you know, the intentionality of, of some of the B Corp stuff and everything and what you're doing with Outlast and your work is that's where it comes comes full circle. Yeah, man, that's why it's such a great opportunity and privilege to be part of this community. Oh, we'll grow it together. So we will ask the final question because it's it's the fun one. <laughs> what is one thing you wish I had asked you that I did? Mm. Oh, so many, so many good options related to college football uh, come come <laughs> up <laughs> come to mind. But uh, I'll say uh, probably something about music. Like most conversations uh, I have, at some point, music comes up in it. I grew up a musician before I was an engineer, and all those things. And I think music and it's an education in the arts is a is also core to creativity and problem solving in the sciences, social and technical sciences. My wife thinks I'm a weirdo because I wrote my entire book with earbuds in and music full blast. For some reason, it makes me super creative. She cannot figure out how I can focus like that. So, oh, that's great. That is great. Yeah, man, music is is everything. Yeah, that energy too. And we were talking before we hit the record button. We were talking about checking out, and and it's funny though. That is sometimes my checkout is okay. No podcasts. No. No audible, no, just just music on a walk or just music, you know, in the car of just like sometimes where you're like trying to maximize that productivity out of the day. And sometimes just music. Yeah. Yeah. It touches a humanistic fundamental element of who we are. You know, it's older than language. It's older than everything. And so I think music really kind of allows us to connect to each other and to ourselves in a in a in a way that's deeper and more meaningful than uh, than even language. Well, now I know what we're doing when we get together in person. We're going to put on some music and we're, I'm, I'm, you hit all the design thinking buzzwords too of empathy <laughs> and all this. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to whiteboard. We're going to whiteboard with some music on volume 38. Yes, sir. We're going to, we're going to come up with some good, good stuff. I'm sure. Sounds good. Well, Jared, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for, um, uh, you got a lot of them in the our view. Our listeners can't see me going like, whoa, good point. Um, but you dropped a lot of wisdom today and just an incredible story, incredible business, incredible person and grateful for the opportunity to get to know you over the last probably six months since you've kind of come into the community. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for everything you do for, for the world. Feelings mutual. Appreciate it.
Thanks. Well, that wraps up another edition of Be The Change Georgia. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat With Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.